Today, as we continue on in our series, Love Where You Live, the reality is we've celebrated and, and, and prayed for and blessed kids today. But God loves kids. I don't know if you know that. God loves kids more than you do. And at times, that's probably easy to go, yeah, I, I know that God loves my kids more than I do. But God truly loves kids. We, we see the accounts of, of Jesus' interactions and ministry to children throughout the Gospels. Throughout the New Testament, we see Jesus' influence and interaction with young children. But the question becomes, how do we go about learning to love where we live, where God has placed us with the innocence of a child? Because kids are innocent. They, they just they believe everything you say. They, they, they go with everything that you do. And then we as adults, we kind of grow up and we, we mature and, and we start questioning everything. And the complexity of life ensues and the innocence begins to fade and we struggle to believe the things that we see in Scripture. But you've got to love the innocence of kids, right? We've all seen it or experienced it. You know, we go to the grocery store to, to go grab some groceries and you see the little family or the individual sitting there with the box of kittens or the box of dogs and you're just like, oh boy, everybody avert your eyes, avert your eyes. You know, for, for Gretchen and I, it was, well, it was always a journey of, if I got a text, I'd usually get a, a, a text message from Gretchen with a picture of a, of a cat, of a kitten. And the question was never, is this going to happen or isn't it going to happen? I would only ask the question, how much? Because I knew that we were going to have another little furry friend join our wonderful family. We now have four cats. Four. I, I'm pretty sure, I, don't, I, I have no empirical scientific evidence, but I think that's one short of being a cat lady. Um, so my wife is working, Gretchen is working her way to that moniker. I'm a dog guy. We have one dog. Ollie's the, Ollie's, Ollie's the man of the house, and he's, he's a good boy. But uh, we struggle with the whole cat thing. Pray for us, please. <laughs> but we've all, we've all seen it, right? The innocence of a child. And, and maybe, maybe you've heard the story of, of the farmer whose, whose dog had a litter of puppies that he needed to sell. And as he's nailing a sign to the fence post announcing the sale, he, he feels a, a tug on his pants, looks down, and a little boy's standing there saying, I'd like to buy one of the little puppies. The farmer says, son, the pups are pretty expensive. They, they come from a, a really good dog. So the little boy reaches down in his pockets of his overalls and pulls all of his change together, and he pulls out 39 cents. And he says, will this buy one of them? The far farmer smiles and says, yes, that will, that will buy one of them. So he, he calls for his dog, Dolly, and she comes waddling out of the pen. And following her, four little balls of fur tumbling down a ramp. And they come up and sniff around, and while the little boy is playing with them, another pup, a fifth pup, a little smaller, sort of crippled and awkward one, comes stumbling up to the fence. And the little boy looks over the other four and says, no, I want, I want that one. 
But the farmer says, son, you don't want that one. That's, that's what we call the runt, and he won't be able to play with you like the other pups because he's the last one that was born, and he won't be like the other dogs. He won't be able to run like they run. With that, the little boy stepped back from the fence and reached down and began to roll up one leg of his overalls, and in doing so, he revealed a steel brace running down both sides of his leg, attaching itself to specially made shoes. Looking back up at the farmer, he said, yes, you see, sir, I, I don't run too well myself. And my puppy, well, he needs someone who understands. And everybody says, oh. you're welcome. The Kleenex is at the end of your row. My wife was bawling, and she's crying again. We don't watch the, the little Sarah McLaughlin commercial, you know, I will remember you, you know, with the, with the dog, you know, shelter thing. We don't, we just flip the channel. It's not, it's not good. But children can blow us away with their innocence, right? Their simplicity of insight to look at it and say, no, I want, I want that one. But kids can also remind us just how sinful we can be. They have that side of them, too. Maybe you're, you're, you're familiar with this. One of my favorite rem- reminders of our flawed childlike nature is the ten property laws of a toddler. Are you familiar with these? I'll take by your absence. You're not. Many of you who have kids probably are right in the thick of these right now, but uh, maybe, you've, maybe you've heard these. Let me, let me read these off for you. The, the rules toddlers use when playing with toys. Here they are. Number one. If I like it, it's mine. Number two, if it's in my hand, it's mine. Number three, if I can, if I can take it from you, it's mine. Number four, if, it, if, if I had it a little while ago, it's mine. Number five, it's, if it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. Number six, if I'm building something, all the pieces are mine. Number seven, if it looks just like mine, it's mine. Yeah. Number eight, if, if I saw it first, it's mine. Nine, if you're playing with something and you put it down, it automatically becomes mine. And most importantly, if it is broken, it's yours. <laughs> you know, though, though every one of us has... Have, has struggled with this same propensity to childlike, selfish sinfulness. Mark 10, starting in verse 13, reminds us of the very special place that young children have in God's plan. If you have your Bibles, you can flip to Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 13. If you don't, all the verses will be on the screen for you and in the YouVersion Bible app. But Mark 10, starting in verse 13, if you want to join me there, it says, People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you. We thank you that you have called us to a childlike faith. We thank you that you call us your children. 
And that in doing so, you desire relationship, you desire devotion, you desire to call us your children and us to call you Father. But we also understand that we struggle so much with the complexity of life, and you're simply calling us back to the place of childlike innocence. So we ask that you'd help us today, Lord. Help us to to pull back from all the, the stuff and to believe that you are who you say you are, a loving God, a loving Father, and that we would place our trust and our devotion in you today. We pray that you'd speak to us through your scripture and encourage us to walk in total and complete devotion to you. God, we love you and we thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in reading this passage of Scripture, there, there are two important principles I, I, I believe that we can take from this simple passage of Scripture and the interactions that Jesus had with kids. And these principles are not too dissimilar to one another, but they reveal important truths. The first thought is this. We should learn to accept children the way that Jesus does. We should learn to accept children the way that Jesus does. See, in this, in this passage, people were bringing small children. It says in Mark 10, 13, that they're bringing small children or, or babies even to Jesus. And while we don't know if, if the children suffered from some ailment, needed healing or need to be touched or needed to be delivered of something, parents merely perhaps wanted their children to receive some sort of blessing from Jesus. We don't, we don't know exactly why people were bringing, but we see the character of God revealed in Jesus' response. See, the disciples didn't have time for these kids and were critical and and disapproving that they were even there. We see that later on in the passage of Scripture. And we talked last week about the interruptions that life inevitably brings us. We talked about that as we saw in Jesus' ministry, the interruptions often precede the miracle it's oftentimes the the things that happen in life that that distract us or detract us or frustrate us it's those moments in time that often precede God's greatest work when somebody comes across Jesus path and I need this can you do this if you're willing you can heal me it was the, the interruptions where Jesus performed his greatest work. But how do we handle interruptions? Particularly, how do we, how do we handle the interruptions that kids bring? Because <laughs> I know that we're all really, really good at that. Either you're feeling very convicted or you're partially asleep. But we get frustrated with our kids easily, don't we? We get annoyed when a kid disrupts our meal at a restaurant, if it's your kid or somebody else's. You're sitting in your booth, just gazing across the, the table at your, your loved one, and, and you're like, somebody quiet that child. We get upset when a, a baby gets fussy during church. This is the house of God. Silence that child. Trying to receive what the Lord has for you. We get frustrated. I can remember when Gretchen and I were new parents. 
Our oldest, Elijah, who's, who's now 21, was six months old. And we were on our first plane ride with him. It was a blessed time. And Elijah had what we like to refer to as a, a, as a pterodactyl scream. I'm not going to try and replicate what that sounded like because it's not going to come across well. But he, he, was, he was fussy and he was struggling and he couldn't be consoled. We you know, were trying to feed him, we were trying to burp him, we were trying to, you know, whatever. And he just was, was not being consoled. So he's, you know, the whole, you know, and it, it was just up and down and up and down. And it's, it's horrible. It's a horrible feeling when you're a new parent. You're like, <laughs> he's really a good kid, I promise. We love him. I'm not pinching. And throughout the thing, it was, just, it was just hard. So we get to the end of the flight. It's probably about an hour and a half long flight. And we're just exhausted and embarrassed and frustrated. So we get up to, to begin to deboard. And there's this, this wonderful young lady of about 20 years or so who is sitting in the row in front of us. And she gets up with a scowl on her face and turns around back to us and says, well, maybe if you didn't spoil him. And I was like, oh, just, just, just settle, babe, just settle. I definitely saw the, the countenance, the beautiful countenance that you see every Sunday, Sunday morning in Gretchen change to a homicidal. It wasn't cool. And that's what we deal with sometimes with kids, is the interruptions and the struggles. But how do we handle those interruptions? Scripture says in verse 13, people were bringing little children to Jesus. And the, the Greek word translated little children is, is paidion, a word that refers not only to a small child, but occasionally to an infant. So they're bringing babies, they're bringing Little kids, they're all probably running around like, you know, I don't know, whatever was happening earlier. They're not probably abiding by all the rules. And in this instance, we know that many of these small children brought to Jesus were indeed babies. Because Luke indicates this in a parallel account in Luke's gospel, found in Luke 18, 15. It says, people were also bringing babies to Jesus. And we're told that people were bringing their children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. You might ask, why was Jesus placing his hand on kids? This was an action that referred to a Jewish custom of the day of, of blessing a child by accompanying, placing your hands on them. It was a Jewish custom, that, that tr a tradition that dated all the way back to, to, to Isaac and Jacob in, in Genesis 27. We see this custom. But that this is what is being sought from Jesus is brought out even more clearly in Matthew's parallel account found in Matthew 19, 13, which says, little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray. So people wanted Jesus to pray over their kids, just like we just, like we just did a few minutes ago, praying over these children, asking that God would fulfill his plan and purpose in their lives. It was an important step. But we're not, we're not told why the disciples rebuked them. Because that's what we see. Jesus 
People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. And we don't know why they did that. Perhaps, you know, the disciples were, were doing their best, you know, Jesus' secret service, and like, hey, nope, nope, no, there's a perimeter here. You can't, nope, no touchy. And they were trying to allow Jesus to rest. Because Jesus was ministering, and he needed rest, and he would go away, and... and, and so the disciples were probably doing what they thought they needed to do to protect Jesus. The crazy part is when, when Jesus saw them rebuking the kids and telling them to get away, he was ticked off. I think in the King James, it's he was ticketh. Our resident Canadian, uh, Gail Chamberlain, she would, she would say Jesus was picked, which means ticked. It says in, in, in the scripture, and when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. What does that word indignant mean? That's not a word that we typically utter in our sentences. You know what, I'm just indignant. No, it's, it's not one that we probably bring into our normal everyday sentences. The Greek word used here for indignant is agonikteo which means greatly displeased or even angry. Jesus was ticked. <laughs> he was not happy. And here's the, here's the thing. Jesus was, was angry enough to rebuke his disciples. And what did he say to them? Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. Do not hinder them. And then Jesus makes a profound statement. He says, for the, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Kids. Innocence. What do we, what do we think of when we think of kids? Endless amounts of, of energy, I don't know about you, but sometimes I see kids running around. I'm like, if I could just bottle, bottle the energy and sell it on Amazon, wouldn't have to work another day in my life. But we also see this, this authenticity of, of their enthusiasm. When kids get excited, they're just straight up excited. They say what they mean, and they mean what they say. When they say... Mommy, you're beautiful. And you're like, no, no, yes, it's kind of everything's, you know. They think you're beautiful. Just receive the compliment. Dad, you're so smart. Well, you know, it's not as smart as I used to be. They mean what they say. They say what they mean. Kids, kids have unashamed worship and devotion to God. You ever seen a kid worship? We had vacation Bible school here number of weeks ago and it was the coolest thing you come in here and you see 60 70 what, kids 80 kids however many kids we had here all over this place just woo, just jumping and you know they're just over here just doing this thing you know and they just love jesus and they're not afraid to show it but why is it that we as we as we grow up and we begin to mature that we begin to worry about and actually care 
what people think when we worship God? Why is that? Come into worship and celebrate what God is doing in our lives. The breakthrough that he's bringing, the goodness, the blessings that you don't have to look very far to find. And we just, oh Jesus. And we struggle. I can't lift my hands too high. I don't want people to think I'm one of those crazy people. Why why have we lost that childlike innocence in our worship and our devotion to God? The God of the universe who sent his son to die for you and for me deserves our deepest praise. Our unashamed worship. God's desire is that we would see the value in children that we would desire God's plan and purpose be revealed in their lives. And it only takes the innocent belief of a child to change an entire family tree. I'm telling you right now, there are family trees that are being affected because children said yes to God. There are kids who came to VBS who had an encounter with Jesus and said yes to his plan and purpose for their lives. And they're going back home. And guess what they're saying? Jesus loves me. Mommy, did you know that God loves me? <laughs> it changes everything. We should learn to accept children the way that Jesus does. And to accept the love of God. Because it's not hard. The gospel is not complicated. We were born with a sinful nature. God loved so much that he sent his son. Jesus came to the earth to live a perfect life, to die a shameful death, so that we could have salvation, so that we could have life and life to the full. It's a simple gospel, but we overcomplicate the snot out of it. The second thought today is this. We should learn to accept Jesus the way children do. So not only should we learn to accept children the way that Jesus does, we should learn to accept Jesus the way kids do. We just, we just spoke of the innocent belief children possess. So let's take a moment to look at Jesus' perspective on that innocence. He says in in Mark 10, 14, coming back to our text, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. He blessed them. When Jesus says, for the kingdom of God belongs to such such as these, he teaches us that children exemplify qualities that are important to be found in those who are part of the kingdom of God. You want to be a true follower of Jesus? Have childlike faith. You want to understand what it looks like to reflect the kingdom of God? Love people without exception. You ever made a mistake with your kids? You said something harsh. 
you were tough and you didn't mean to be. They did something wrong and you, 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 you got on them too hard and, and, and you realized you had a bad parent moment. Those are hard, man. You go in and you say, I'm, I'm sorry. Daddy lost his cool and I didn't mean to. I love you. What do they do? I love you too, Dad. I forgive you. They just love. It shouldn't surprise us that children are often more receptive to the gospel then than we are as, as adults. When you tell a child, God loves you, they're like, yeah, he does. When you tell an adult God loves them, they're like, well, yeah, but why does a loving God allow suffering then? And why are all these things happening in the world if God is love? I don't know if I believe that. Charles Spurgeon once said, I will say broadly that I have more confidence in the spiritual life of the children that I've received into this church than I have in the spiritual condition of the adults thus received. I will go even further than that and say that I've usually found a clearer knowledge of the gospel and a warmer love to Christ and the child converts than in the man converts. I will even astonish you still more by saying that I have sometimes met with a deeper spiritual experience in children of 10 or 12 than I have in certain persons of 50 or 60. Childlike faith. A willingness to believe that God is who He says He is and that He loves them that much. Why do we push away from that? Why do we struggle to embrace and believe that truth? I hear you. Thanks a lot. So we're all a bunch of fuddy-duddies? It's hard. We get older and we begin to believe all the complexities of this, that, or the other thing and we just lose sight of the fact that God is love. But have you ever really watched the excitement in the eyes of a child when you tell them how much God loves them? There are no questions or doubt. They just believe God is who the Bible says He is and they accept the truth of the Gospel. And most of the questions that kids have revolving around spirituality surround the attributes of God or what will heaven be like or will I get to see Grammy and Grampy when I get to heaven? Where's their mansion going to be? Those are the questions kids have. So how do we receive the kingdom of God like a child? It's important that we look at who was brought to Jesus and how they were brought to him. So let's look at verse 13. It says, people were bringing little children to Jesus. People were bringing them. See, the, the kids were depending on some, someone who brought them. They weren't just running down the, you know, the road like, Jesus, Jesus. They weren't showing up on their own. There was people, there were parents, there were grandparents, there were people that were bringing them. They were, this was especially true of the, of the smaller kids, the babies. The babies didn't just walk up, hey, Jesus. They were helpless without their parents. And these kids serve as an example of those who can't do anything in their own effort to receive a blessing from Jesus. And it's not any different for us. You didn't earn 
God's love. We didn't do anything to earn salvation or God's forgiveness. We need to recognize our dependence on Jesus. That nothing we could do could bring us to a place of receiving God's blessing in our lives. It's only because of Jesus. And we should see that we're powerless to help ourselves and embrace Jesus as the only one who gives us the gift of salvation through his death and resurrection. We, we should see that that's only because of God's grace that we receive love. So we've answered the, the who question. What about the how? In verse 15, it says, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. If you don't receive it as a, as a child, you won't, you won't enter it. See, little children are usually much more open to the reception of a, of a, of a gift than adults are. You ever seen that? Adult opens up a gift and it's like, oh, it's another tie. That's great. Fantastic. You got me a tie the last time. I didn't want a tie. Kids are just like, gifts! Woohoo! You know, they just start, the paper starts flying. You ever ask a child if they want a gift or a treat? <laughs> it's like trying to say to your, try, like, like saying to your dog, do you want to go for a walk? And they're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like you say the word walk and it's go time. <laughs> Kids receive things as they are. That's just how they work. We love comedians. We love to laugh. Gretchen and I have a few different comedians that we like. Jim Gaffigan's one of them. If you've ever listened to Jim Gaffigan, he does a, a bit on being a parent. He says, you can't say the words ice cream in front of a four-year-old. They hear a commitment. Yeah, I'll have ice cream. Daddy was just saying the words ice cream. I'll have it right now. Chocolate. But that's, that's, that's how it works. You, you, kids are just like, yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, let's do this. And, and there's, a, there's a part of us that we all need to be like little children as we approach God, coming to him as those who are helpless without him and who are in desperate need of not only his love, but of his wisdom and his direction for our lives, his purpose, his plan. God, thank you for salvation. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for redemption. It is a gift, and we should receive it as such. Too often we get our eyes fixed on how we can earn it or what we should do or how we can fix it or we lose sight of the fact that God is just desiring to do his perfect will in and through our lives with the people that he's placed in our path. And that childlike faith, willingness to say yes, is where it starts. We should learn to accept Jesus the way that children do by saying yes not by overcomplicating it but by saying yes the truth is the innocent way in which we are called to receive God's love to receive the gift of grace and salvation to receive the kingdom of heaven is in total opposition of what the world what culture would have us pursue it's all about what you can get how you can get it I love this, this quote from Parker Palmer's book on minding your call. It describes the innocence with which we should approach our purpose in Christ. He, and this is what he says. 
if we are to live our lives fully and well, we must learn to embrace the opposites, to live in a creative tension between our limits and our potentials. We must honor our limitations in ways that do not distort our nature and trust and use our gifts in ways that fulfill the potentials God gave us. We must take the no of the way that closes and find the guidance it has to offer and take the yes of the way that opens and respond with the yes of our lives. See, it's not complicated. As the worship team returns, as we prepare to to continue in worship this morning, it's not complicated. God is calling us to a place of response each and every day. And the question becomes, what could it be that God is asking you to say no to today so that you can give a fully committed, childlike yes to what he is desiring in your life and in mine? Would you stand to your feet this morning as we prepare to respond and worship? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the the picture of childlike faith that says yes to the things of you. That says yes to the gift of salvation. That says yes to the forgiveness of sins. That says yes to what you're desiring to do in our lives. We pray that you'd give us the strength to put all the other distractions aside. That we would step into our days, step into our weeks with that innocence of saying, God, what would you do What would you desire? What would you have me say? Who would you have me impact? And understanding that it's nothing that we can do, but it's only through your power and your presence that we can find hope and that we can share hope. So God, we love you and we thank you. We declare that you are good this morning. And we ask that you would remind us again that you are our Father, that we are your children, and that you've called us to a a place of childlike response just to say, yes, God. I believe you are who you say you are. I desire to step into your plan. We thank you, Lord, that you continue to call us. Help us to trust you fully today.